Hi, friend. Welcome back to The Everyday Evangelist. I'm Jessica Dudek, Director of Evangelization at Christ the King Catholic Church in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And this is your landing ground for practical tips and tools for sharing the faith in the the day-to-day. Today, we're in the midst of a series called Acts in Action, where we're looking at the movement of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit and how that applies to evangelization today. And today, we're talking about prophecy and specifically how the gift of prophecy plays into sharing the gospel. So to get started on this topic, let's talk about what prophecy is, and then we're actually going to look at the catechism and the scripture and dig into kind of how we hear the voice of God. So prophecy, plain and simple, is hearing God, both for ourselves and for other people. Oftentimes, it's good to point out that when we're listening to the Lord in our own lives, that just has to do with focusing on our specific prayer life and our relationship with Jesus. But prophecy is acted out when we are listening to God on behalf of somebody else. And with that, prophecy always is about pointing somebody to Jesus Christ. So in the Old Testament, the prophets were known for really correcting groups of people or correcting leaders to bring them kind of back in alignment with God's plan and pointing towards being ready to receive the Messiah. Whereas a lot of our prophecy today is as though you're looking backwards in the sense of bringing people back to the gospel truth. Now, obviously we're not going backwards because the gospel truth is as true today as it was, you know, 2000 years ago. But the point is, is that in the midst of prophecy, it's the point to Jesus. And so even when we're prophesying or sensing God saying something about the future, it's always grounded in bringing somebody into a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what it was all through the Old Testament, and that's what it is entirely for today. So hopefully that should differentiate prophecy from being like fortune-telling. You know, fortune-telling is really about the person wanting to know about themselves and what's coming in their lives. And obviously the church does not condone that. When the Lord wants us to see the future, he sends his prophets. But even then, when he's prophesying about the future, it's through the vein or the lens of what God is doing, what God is speaking, and really where God is leading. And all of that is going to bring us into that place of knowing Christ more intimately and bringing him into the world. Because even if you're praying about or praying with somebody about their future and you're asking God to speak and give them vision, even the fulfillment of your vocation is going to be centered on knowing God more and bringing others to the Lord. So in this, I say this so that we kind of understand why prophecy in the first place. You know, why does God speak to his people and why does he keep speaking today? Because while some gifts are really for our own worship, like the gift of tongues is really for our own prayer to God and our own worship to him, prophecy at the end of the day really isn't about just us. Yes, it's about growing in a relationship with Christ, but then the fruit that that is always going to bear is evangelization. And in my own experience of kind of linking evangelization and prophecy, hearing the voice of God was probably the thing that most dramatically 
changed my life in the sense of changing it very quickly. And over and over again, I've seen helping someone else hear the voice of God really put them on this fast track of evangelization and very deep discipleship. But that's just my experience. Those are my thoughts. Let's look at what the catechism has to say. So I don't know if you sign up for flock notes and get the catechism in a year. I do that. You get snippets of the catechism every single day, and it's really helpful. So here are a couple questions that really stood out to me one day in my inbox. This question is, how does the laity participate in the prophetic office? And it says, they participated in it by welcoming evermore in faith the word of Christ and proclaiming it to the world by the witness of their lives, their words, their evangelizing action, and by catechesis. This evangelizing action acquires a particular efficacy because it is accomplished in the ordinary circumstances of the world. So the catechism actually tells us that we as the lay faithful have a profound efficiency and effectiveness in evangelization and prophecy because we live it every single day and we just get to live it out in the day to day. Contrast that, you know, with a priest who primarily has to tend to his flock. Any clergy member is going to spend the majority of his time needing to care for his church. And that's, you know, what he's supposed to do. That's what his role is. So if he gets a prophetic word from the Lord and he delivers that to his congregation, that's great. That's profound. But then it's up to the faithful to listen to the Lord or to carry those prophetic words to the rest of the world, because we have a footprint that gets to reach far beyond the clergy. And we have hierarchy, not so that everything is pointed and sitting on the clergy, but so that the clergy can kind of bless and send the laity. And we don't have the hierarchy or the structure of that so that we only rely on the clergy to hear the voice of God, but rather so that by the teaching of the church, all can be led into hearing the voice of of the Lord. So the catechism straight up tells us that prophecy today is designed for the witness and evangelization of the world. And there's more that the catechism has to say about this. Another thing I pulled from the catechism in a year was the question, what is the role of prayer in the mission of the prophets? And it says, the prophets drew from prayer the light and strength to exhort the people to faith and to conversion of heart. They entered into great intimacy with God and interceded for their brothers and sisters to whom they proclaimed what they had seen and heard from the Lord. Elijah was the father of the prophets, of those who sought the face of God. On Mount Carmel, he achieved the return of the, to, the, return of the people to the faith, thanks to the intervention of God to whom he prayed, Answer me, O Lord, answer me. So again, this ties our relationship with God and the movement of the Spirit very clearly into evangelization, that we're called to pray, to cry out to the Lord, and then to let Him speak back to us, and then from what He says to us, to go and speak to others. And this is what the prophets did. They had that profound intimacy with the Lord, and that gave them the insight, the courage, the strength, and the knowledge to even know how to call others into faith. And also, prophecy is that 
well, the, what the prophets did, where prayer was, was that profound intercession for conversion. That as much time as they spent telling other people the truth, they spent on their knees crying out to God for other people to be saved. So for us to step into the role of being a prophetic evangelist, we need to step into that great intimacy with the Lord, into that place of profound intercession and offering ourselves up as vessels to the Lord, kind of bringing those intercessions of the world and that deep heart for others to know God and just bring that to the Lord in prayer. But then with that intimacy is giving that trust in God by sitting and listening and asking him what he has to say and what he's calling us into, where he's asking us to go and how we can effectively bring the gospel to others. So let me give a couple examples of what this looked like early on in my journey of using prophecy as a tool for evangelization. So I came into the gift of prophecy on my 20th birthday, walking down the streets of New York, which I know is really not what you would expect for coming into a gift like that, but that's my story. So I was actually interning with a production company in New York City. My intent at that point in time was to actually go into the arts as my career. And I was on track for that. So I was interning with a production company. We had a big concert that day at Alice Tully Hall, which is in Lincoln Center area. So one of the top-notch places to be performing in New York, and I was helping out behind the scenes. So I was walking down the street, and I was young. You know, I'm 20 years old in New York alone. And so the weird thing about that was that I was just growing in my faith exponentially, because being kind of alone in the city, I found myself just crying out to God a lot. I mean, I was lonely being in the city. I didn't even have like a smartphone and have a GPS or anything like that. And as much as I loved being there, it was kind of a hard adjustment for me at first. So I found myself just praying a lot more and praying on my own. And I began to like sense things in the spirit. It kind of grew in little ways of like, I'd be a little confused where I was. And then I would get this sense of kind of where to turn. I would turn there and realize that I knew exactly then where I was in the city or things like that. Like I'd be trying to make some sort of a decision and I'd like pause and pray. I'd get an idea, kind of rise up in my spirit. I'd follow that. So the Lord started like leading and guiding me in these little ways that were and very tangible ways that were only known to me. But on my 20th birthday, like I said, walking down the streets, heading to this big to-do performance, and the Lord gave me a message for somebody that I was going to be passing on the street. So there was a woman ahead of me who was connected to Planned Parenthood, and she was seeking to get people to sign a petition to save Planned Parenthood. And her line was, do you have a minute to help save Planned Parenthood? And so I knew that, you know, I was going to really be her target demographic. I mean, I'm a young woman. I'm all dressed up I'm in the city. Like I am who she wants. And so I know she's going to stop me and she's probably going to make a big fuss of it. And so I asked the Lord, like, Jesus, what do I say to her? Like, what do I say? And I hear the Lord speak and he says, tell her you would rather save lives. 
And I had just enough time to like hear that word, doubt it, question it before this woman is stopping. And she is making a big show of stopping me in the street. Like her hand is out. She's stopping me. She's targeting me of, excuse me, miss. And, you know, and asks me her, her pitch of what I saw, help save Planned Parenthood. And so I just gently said, I'd rather save lives. Thanks. And she makes a big deal of like dismissing me and sending me on. And I don't know how that word was received by her. I really don't know what she thought. If she thought I was crazy, obviously she dismissed it in that moment. Um, But the scripture does promise that the word of God does not return void, that it fulfills its purpose. So I'm confident that the Lord did something in her life that day that he at least planted a seed. But for me, I knew that it was the Lord and it was the first time that I really knew it was God. And he spoke to me for somebody else. And for me, hearing the voice of God was like, it was as though it was a thought I wouldn't think is how I would describe it. It was as if my heart was having a thought and it was rising up inside of me. And, you know, we all know the sound of our own voice in our head. You know, it's going to be consistent as you kind of like think your own thoughts and you know, you're mulling something over, you know, your own kind of tone of voice and your, your own kind of inner dialogue with yourself. This was different. This was a thought that came to me, a whisper that came to me, a gentle, still small inner voice that was not my own. And the fruit of something like that in terms of discerning, you know, really was that God has to be tested and discerned over time. Now, I don't have contact at all with that woman that I passed on the street, so I can't judge the fruit of her life, but instead I have to judge the fruit of my life. And so what I did then after I heard the Lord so clearly is that first of all, it changed everything for me. I mean, I was in New York really pursuing my dream of, you know, being in the performance world. And even before I got to see somebody come to know the Lord, hearing God's voice set me on a new trajectory of seeking him much more deeply. And so I went home and I returned more to prayer and I started setting aside time every single day to be still and listen for the Lord. And so first God just told me how much he loved me. I would sit in silence. I would pray. I would start by reading the scripture. And then in my mind's eye, I would meditate on an image of the cross and just tried to clear my mind of my own thoughts. And in doing that, I began to hear that gentle whisper of the Lord rising up. And like I said, he just told me over and over again how much he loved me, what I meant to him. And he just focused on first defining that relationship between me and him. And then the next thing that happened is the Lord started speaking to me about my friends. And he didn't reveal big to do crazy things to me about them, but he started telling me who to pray for. And when the Lord spoke and started telling me who to pray for, I was actually very surprised because I didn't see anything in their lives that needed prayer. Um, And these were people that I was pretty close to, but one friend, especially over like a, um, a break, I think it was Christmas break she really launched into a depression 
And, you know, I would see her almost every day during the school year. I was still a college student um, during this time. But of course, Christmas break, we go home, we're out of touch for a couple of weeks. And the Lord told me over that time, you know, that she needed prayer. And we came back and boom, I found out my friend was just not doing well at all. So he started priming my heart, you know, for her. Uh, But for another friend, he also spoke and told me to pray for this one friend and everything seemed fine in her life. I had no idea she was hiding a porn addiction and keeping that very, very close and that it was really wreaking havoc on her spiritual life Um, until she finally, you know, came to me and told me uh, and started seeking, you know, some healing in her life. And in the years that followed after that, you know, I came more to know kind of when and how God was guiding me to take action or when and how he was calling me to let go and give a prophetic word to somebody else. But it started with intimacy with Jesus and just that heart for knowing him. And then the fruit of that was in, you know, praying for other people and then being prepared to minister to them so that they could come into a closer relationship with Jesus and know the Lord. So when we're looking to grow in prophecy and grow in evangelization, the more we want to grow in these kind of charismatic elements of the faith, the deeper we want to go into the contemplative areas of our faith. So charismatic practices and contemplative practices actually work together to obtain the maturity of the faithful. If you think about a swimming pool, contemplation is like taking the steps into the shallow end and wading deeper and deeper and deeper until you're kind of in full immersion of meditation and of the faith. And the charisms are kind of like jumping in the deep end. Now, either way, what are you looking for? You're looking for kind of being immersed in God's presence and kind of having a full union with him. But in order to thrive in the deep end, you need the tools still of swimming. And those are often obtained through the kind of slow wade in process. So if we want to grow in prophecy, as we see from the catechism and the role um, of the prophets, is that they grew in contemplation. They pressed into meditation and intercession so as to be able to hear the voice of God and from hearing the voice of God to take action. So step one of being a prophetic evangelist is pick up the scripture read the scripture and meditate on it. Meditate on the Lord and then start interceding for what you care about and who you care about and take time for stillness. From there, that's where we get into the place of hearing and discerning the voice of the Lord and discerning the steps that we take from there. But we're going to press into that more in detail on hearing, discerning, and taking action on our podcast episode next week. So stay tuned. And till then, if this is new for you, especially or not, if this is, you know, if you're rolling in prophetic prayer, take time to press into contemplation and meditation this week. And in all things, lean on the Lord and rely on the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.